Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, it's not going to get better than that. <laughs> what a privilege to be here talking about such an important topic. Peers, playmates and peripherals. And that's just fancy P words for relationships. Yeah, relationships are the most important thing. When Jesus was asked, what are the most, what's the most important commandment? What did he say? Paraphrased, he said this, love God and love others as yourself. That Jesus confirmed that they were the most important commandments. There's nothing more important than this, and I feel so privileged that I get to share it with you tonight. For those of you that don't know me, either here or online, uh, my name is Royce. I've been here at Door of Hope for 16 years. That song we did earlier, Take, Take It All, was massive when I joined up. And I got to rock that out many times. I'm also a worship leader here. And I have my office here. Um, I'm an environmental engineer, and uh, I have my business located here. You know why? Because when I pay rent, it goes to the church. How good is that? <laughs> I also have a, a lovely wife here, Tony, and my two daughters, Amy and Ebony. Um, that's a bit about me anyway. So let's look at relationships. When I look at a topic, I love to look at the Bible. And I love especially to look at the life of Jesus. So let's take a look at the life of Jesus and the relationships that Jesus had. Now, the interesting thing about doing this is that God or Jesus is infinite. So there's a big difference between an infinite God and how he, has, how he views relationships and how we view relationships. Because, you see, God can love us all, and he can love us all unconditionally, and he can love everybody in creation. I don't know about you, but I can't do that. I'm a finite person. I can love those who God has put in my circle, but I can't love everybody. I do love everybody, but I can't physically love them, if you know what I mean. I can't interact with everybody. But when Jesus came here as a man, we get a, a sense of what God would be like when he was in a finite body. So I'm going to unpack that a little bit. But I want to reiterate that God doesn't view people as peers, playmates, and peripherals. God has this infinite view, and he sees us all the same, and he loves us all the same. Amen? Have we got that? I want to be clear. So what is a peer? A peer is one that's of equal standing. So if we look at Jesus, if we look at God and think about his peer group, there's one thing that comes to mind for me, and it's a thing that we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So um, without unpacking the, the theology of that, um, it, it says in John 14, verse 11, Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. So you get a sense that these two were close. They were um, so close, I can't even fathom it. They were three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, but they were one. So there's an amazing sort of benchmark of a peer group for you. But Jesus expands on that in John 14, verse 18 to 20, and he includes us. How amazing is that? He says, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I'm alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. 
I'm in my Father, this is Jesus talking, this is God talking, I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. We are invited into that. This amazing peer group that's just pure love, that is just pure wisdom, that is just, there's, there's no, there's no uh, breach, there's no breakdown of relationship. It's just this perfect trinity, this perfect relationship. And God invites us into that. It goes on in 15, 17. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he's been staying with you and will even be in you. So you get this, that's the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and uh, an amazing peer group. But we're invited into that. And you know what? A relationship with God, I believe, should be the foundation of all of our relationships. Who believes that tonight? A relationship with God, if that is the foundation of our relationships, uh, let me tell you from experience, my relationships go a lot better when God is at the foundation of them. So what about us? How should we view peers? One of the most important peers in a person's life can be a spouse. Um, most of us will have a spouse um, for most of our lives. Not everybody. Some people, um, it might be different for them, and that's okay. But a lot of us will have a spouse. And uh, I have a spouse, and uh, some people would say that I'm punching above my weight. <laughs> um, I, but, you know, and look, there's a, there's a photograph of my wife on our wedding day that's about to come up here, and uh, you'll, you'll make your own decision. <laughs> Is it wrong to wolf whistle in church? Come on. <laughs> That's my wife, Tony, um, on our wedding day, which was 1998. Who was alive then? Not many, not many of you, right. But hang on, hang on. You look at me now and you think, eh? doesn't compute. Well, take a look at this next picture. This is us together. Oh. What do you reckon? Not bad, Tom, not bad. I mean, I'm not... Put not perfect, but uh, not bad. But uh, for some reason, she fell for me, so I I'm not going to push the envelope there. Um, she didn't always like me, though. When she first met me, she actually didn't like me at all. Um, and uh, the next picture, you're probably going to uh, get an idea of why. Uh, there I was. <laughs> that is me, believe it or not. I made the mistake of sending that through to young Isaac Ratcliffe. It's now on his desktop, so <laughs> hopefully it doesn't last very long. But that was me. And uh, we're going to leave that up for a little while. <laughs> hopefully we can concentrate. But an interesting thing about me there is uh, that's me before I met God. That's me before I was a Christian. When I look at that photo, I look in my eyes and... To me, they look a little bit empty. They don't have the sparkle, they don't have that life that, that I see in photos of me now. And, and that me was very different to the me that you know and love. Um, <laughs> oh, that didn't get a very good reaction. <laughs> the me that most of you know was different to that guy. That guy, oh, there, there I am. That guy was um, selfish. That guy at times was hard to be around. That guy was definitely a lot harder to live with. 
Um, that guy had sort of had a life going on, but it was a selfish life. And um, I'm so grateful that I have a, an amazing wife that has become a peer. Yeah, and you know what? What's interesting about a peer is um, a peer is someone that you can share your whole life with. So there's, there's not much that I can't share with Tony. Um, we can sit down, we can talk about uh, money, which she's reminded we need to do this week, so looking forward to that. Uh, we can talk about leadership. We can talk about our beautiful girls, our family. Um, we can talk about problems at work, but she works here, so she doesn't have any problems, of course. So. <laughs> Uh, we can talk about our challenges, our issues, um, and we can share, you know, a lot about ourselves, our full life. I have another good peer, he's my mate Ben here, um, who we've been mates, we've known each other for probably 16 years, but we've become really good mates in probably the last four years or so, and it's the same thing. You know, it says peers are on equal standing, and the thing about... Um, my wife and Ben and others that, that I'm peers with, appear with, is that we are sort of journeying together. We're sort of at the same stage in life. And it's really important that we have uh, those friendships where we feel like if something went wrong, I could go to those, those people um, tomorrow and I know they would drop everything and they would help me out. Um, and that's the point of having these peers. I know that this is a difficult topic, topic for some of us, and some of us, you might feel like you don't have a peer. Who is that special friend? And, you know, I had to learn this, because believe it or not, I'm what you'd call an extrovert. Does anyone know what an extrovert is? It's someone that sort of gets their energy from being around people. And I'm very extroverted. My wife, Tony, she is an introvert. And she's, fair to say, very introverted, quite introverted. So here we are, opposites attract, and we, we came together. And as an extrovert, I was very good at um, developing a whole group of people that knew me a little bit, or knew who I was, or we would have small talk, we'd have a little chat. Um, you know, but did we know each other? Were we peers? Did, did we have that closeness that I believe you need in your life? Um, I'd say, well, that was, that was a challenge for me, believe it or not. Because what I tend to do is I um, have lots of friends and I spend a bit of time with all of them. But what I noticed in Tony's life is she forms fewer friends but closer friends. And so over our journey of uh, 24 years, never do that, guys, by the way. We've got enough challenges in life remembering when I was married, you know. But 24 years together, and we have, we have been journeying together. And I'd like to think that uh, the, the good things about me have influenced her, and the good things about her have influenced me. And one of the areas is um, forming those deeper friendships and taking the time out to develop a peer group. So um, one of the things I'd like to mention is, is if, you, if you don't feel like you have those close friendships and you find it hard to form those close friendships, I would start with this. I would start with God. I would lay it down before him and I would say, God, I struggle with this. I struggle with this. And I would pray. And you know what? The great thing about 
my um, relationship with my wife is it was a God relationship. Um, I was that long-haired guy. It's fair to say I was a bit of a flirt. <laughs> she goes, a bit. I, I, was, I was, you know, I was a bit um, happy-go-lucky and, you know, I'd sort of uh, turn it on a bit. Lyndon's looking at me going, yeah, I remember that, Royce. Yeah. And, and God, had to, God had to show me that that was wrong. And so I stopped, I stopped doing that. And in the midst of that came my wife. When I stopped looking for girls, I found one. And there are lots of stories that I could tell you, but I won't go into them tonight, about how God confirmed in me and in my wife and in her family that this was the right life choice for us. And I want to tell you it's the best thing you can do is to lay your relationships down before God, especially those close relationships, even if you need help from him, and say, God, help me to develop close friendships. So what about playmates? Going back to Jesus, I think of, well, what relationships did Jesus have when he was on the earth? So, of course, there's the disciples. And in Matthew 4, verses 18 to 20, it says this, Walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said to them, Come with me, I will make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and follows. follow. It goes on in 21 to 22. A short distance down the beach, they came upon another pair of brothers, James and John, Zebedee's sons. These two were sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their fish nets. Jesus made the same offer to them, and they were just as quick to follow, abandoning boat and father. So you can see Jesus was, was deliberate about calling disciples, and he ended up with 12 disciples, and they got close. They spent a lot of time together in the three or so years of Jesus' public ministry. They, they spent a lot of time together. They hung out together, and, and you could say they were friends. They were playmates. In the midst of those 12, though, there were, some, there were three that he was really close to, it seemed, um, it goes on in Mark 14, verses 32 to 34. They came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, so this is the 12, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. So th this story is Jesus about to go to the cross about to die a horrific death to deal with sin. He died for us. But he, he knew what was up ahead because he was God incarnate. And he knew what was coming up ahead. So he, he went to his father and he prayed. And what did he do? He had his 12 there and he said, you, can you pray for me? And then he took the three with him. And that's, they're the three who he bared his heart to. And he was totally open and honest with them and said, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. There'll be things in your life that you will share with people that are close to you that you don't share with the general population. That's just the way it works. Sometimes there'll be things in your life that, that you're ashamed of, that you wouldn't want to mention in public. But there's power in going to a friend and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. Will you pray with me? Will you seek God with me? 
Will you lift me up in prayer? And so Jesus, if Jesus found that he, he developed those close friendships and he, he, he needed those close friendships while he's on earth, why shouldn't we feel the same way? But he also had the 12 around him who were um, close, but not quite as close. And he had a, a broader group, a group of about 90-odd, and he also drew crowds to him, um, to himself. Sometimes there were crowds of, you know, 5,000 men he fed at one time. And uh, so he had that, that sort of, um, all those relationships. So in, in terms of um, my acquaintances, my friendships, um, a, lot of, a lot of the interaction we have these days, let's be honest, it's, it's online, right? And I have lots of people on a thing called LinkedIn. Who has LinkedIn? Wow. Not many. <laughs> uh, yeah, 10am. What's that? Yeah. What about uh, Instagram? Instagram, you got that still? Are these, these are out now, these, aren't they? Yeah. I haven't moved on, have I? What about Facebook? Who has Facebook? Anybody? <laughs> no? Oh, yeah, yeah. Old people. So you, what, do you, what do you have then? What do you have? What do you use? TikTok? Yeah. What else? Yep, yep. It doesn't matter. That'll change. In five years' time, TikTok will be gone. There'll be something else. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> but, you see, I have, I have personal rules around the way I use social media. And my simple rule is this. If I will talk to you in real life, if we will have a conversation, even if it's just a hello, then I will interact with you online. I don't know about you, but that's my rule. I think it's important for us to have our own rules that we, that we use as guidelines in our own lives so that we can manage those relationships, those friendships, and keep ourselves safe. So if I will talk to you in person, then I will interact with you on social media. What do you think of that rule? It's not bad, is it? It's kept me safe. Um, but I think it's really important in this day and age that we do have those principles and those rules in place. So what about peripherals? So Jesus, how did he interact with peripherals? So in Matthew 8, verses 1 to 2, and I'll read that in a second, I want to give you the context. Jesus has just preached this Sermon on the Mountain, this amazing sermon where there was a big crowd around and he, and he preached uh, preached up a storm, and it was, it was this great time, this great sermon that he preached. So he's just been with a massive crowd. He's probably feeling like he'd need a rest. He's just given his all. He's just, um, just preached up a storm. Probably feels like a rest, and this is what happened. Jesus came down the mountain with the cheers of the crowd still ringing in his ears. Then a leper appeared and dropped to his knees before Jesus, praying, Master, if you want to, you can heal my body. So he's, he's probably wanting a rest, I'm guessing, but he's just done this amazing thing and then this leper comes with a need. Um, Jesus stopped and he healed the leper. In verse 5 and 6, it says, As Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a Roman captain came up in a panic and said, Master, my servant is sick, he can't walk, he's in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. So who knows whether Jesus knew this guy, but... He was, he was suddenly an opportunity of a peripheral um, where Jesus spent the time and he said, right, I will, I will minister to your needs. Uh, it goes on. It's, this is all in one chapter. 
in verse 14. By this time they were in front of Peter's house. On entering, Jesus found Peter's mother-in-law sick in bed, burning up with fever. He touched her hand and the fever was gone. No sooner was she up on her feet than she was fixing dinner for him. And there are lots of stories of times where Jesus interacted with what we would call a peripheral, remembering that God doesn't have peripherals, but this is just the way we see it. And it helps us make sense. There's the madman um, that, he, that he healed with, uh, in, with, the, with the pigs where he cast out the demons and they went into the pigs. There was a Samaritan woman at the well who he wasn't even supposed to talk to in their culture. There was Zacchaeus, the small guy that he called down out of the sycamore tree. There was a prostitute who poured perfume on his feet. There are lots and lots of episodes of, of Jesus interacting with what we would call peripherals in, in the Bible. So what are we called to do? We should look after peripherals too. And sometimes God will bring um, someone into your peripheral vision or someone into your line of sight or put someone on your heart um, it's really important that we take those moments as believers and interact with those people, help meet their need, help make them feel at home. You know, what's the point of being a church if, we, if what we do doesn't look different? Do you know what I'm saying here? Wouldn't it be good to be a place where people come in and they feel welcome and they feel like there's a place for them? that they don't feel like peripherals. Because remember, God's view is there, aren't, there are no peripherals. We're all important. Wouldn't it be great to have a place where people say, well, there's something different about Undone. There's something different about Door of Hope. There's something different about that group of people. I feel like I belong. I feel like I matter. Wouldn't it be great to be a place that helps people see themselves the way God sees them. Yeah, you might struggle. You might feel like you're a peripheral. You might feel like you struggle in this area of, of relationships. You might need to, you might see yourself as unworthy. You might see yourself as hard to love. I hear people say, oh, that person, they're hard to love. I want to tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. Nobody is hard to love. But you might see yourself that way, but I'm here to tell you that you're not a peripheral, that you matter. You matter to God and you matter to us. Wouldn't it be great to be a place where that is true all the time? And let's be honest, it's true a lot of the time. We do well, we do pretty well. But I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to have a look at your peripheral vision. It's good to have a group of peers. It's good to have a group of playmates. Nothing wrong with that. But what did Jesus do? He made room for peripherals in his life. He made room for those people. Let's be a group that makes room for one another and that obeys those promptings when you feel like God is challenging you to go and talk to that person but you do it. There are little tricks you can do. Um, I'll tell you a story. When I was young, I, used to, I was a Christian. I used to go to this, uh, this old people's home. And there were, 
the idea was we'd go and we'd sing some songs and someone would share a message and then we would mingle with the old people. And there was one man there who was um, Down syndrome. And he'd sit there, he was a ginger-headed guy, and he'd just sit there, an older guy. And the only thing he could say was, ah, that's all he could say. And he would just, just sit there and he'd look at the world. He was smiling, he seemed happy. But all he could say was, ah. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do here? So you know what I did? I just sat with him. I just sat next to him. I didn't talk for a while. I just sat next to him. And every now and then he'd go, ah. So what I decided to do is, well, I can join in here. So every time he went, ah, I would go, ah. And there he was, two of us, and probably the others are looking, thinking, what are those two doing? But in a funny way, we had an interaction. And you know what? I, got, I look forward to, to going there and just spending some time sitting with that man. And I don't know what he got out of it. But I'm hoping that he got out of it that it was nice that someone just spent some time with him. And sometimes that's all, that's all we need. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit goofy, a little bit awkward, and that's okay. You know, I um, had a role in, in the business I was in before as a salesperson, business development. And my job was to go get to know people and, and, you know, as we got to know people, they would buy from our business. So I went to this conference one time and it was about a really boring topic. And I had a, a stormwater management, okay? So um, I had a person there who was really good at stormwater management and it was his specialisation. And there he was and there I was and we, we didn't know a lot of people. But he said, he said to me, I hate these things. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, I'm just no good at it. I said, that's all right, just follow me around because I'm not bad at this making small talk with people, well, I can do that. So he followed me around. And what we did is, is he would, I would introduce him to somebody. They would start talking about boring stormwater management and I would move on. And then every now and then I'd notice he was on his own again and he would wander over to me and we'd just do it again. You know what? It doesn't matter how it happens. It matters that it happens though. You can use tricks like that. You can say, hey, Invite your peers, invite your mates and go, that person over there is on their own. Why don't we go together and talk? You know, use those little tricks. But let's do this. Let's commit to doing this because this matters. Today's peripheral could be tomorrow's playmate or tomorrow's peer. That happened in my life with my wife. Um, she was somebody who was part of the crowd in my life. And she found a way in. Sneaky, sneaky. She, she found a way into my life. But she was a peripheral who became the most important peer a man could have. Why? Because I took the time and I made the effort and so did she. So you might be here and you might feel like you're a peripheral in all of this. I'm here to tell you you're not, but you matter to God. That long-haired guy on the screen at the end of that year, that guy became a Christian. And he said a simple prayer. And that's all it took. Because you're invited in. You're invited in 
to the family of God. And if you want to um, take that step tonight, be invited in and, and to receive that invitation by God, I would love to pray with you. So what I'd like to do right now is just make room up here for anybody who says, well, I'm exploring this thing called Christianity. Something that you've said tonight, Royce, makes sense to me. We're going to make room up here tonight for you to come and for you to pray with us so that um, you can accept that invitation into God's, into God's family. Does that make sense? It's going to be good. So I'd just like to pray now and then we'll get into some more worship. Father, we just, we just thank you that you love us unconditionally and that you care about us. You care about our relationships. You care about our challenges. You care about our struggles. You see us differently than what we see ourselves sometimes. You see us as deliberate deliberate choices. You see us as amazing and, and worthy of love. So, Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honour in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.